Welcome to Layout, a fortnightly podcast about design, technology, and everything else. Our main topic for this week, how old Apple Keynotes taught us the ins and outs of being a designer. On top of that, we talk about Framer, and uh, we get into some design criticism. Yeah, I did a test recording because we had the AC on. And I was like, can we hear the AC? And so I was mm. like, let me do it. Let me do a test recording. Yeah, we can totally hear the AC. The time of year. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it feels nice. like last week it was snowing. <laughs> now, look God, at us. I don't get Canada. I don't get it, <laughs> man. Sudden, I don't get it. Hey, there, there may still be snow. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it's it's kind of like a random every day. You just like wake up and it's like, surprise. It's like the, you know, the game Secret Hitler. <laughs> It's like secret yeah. snow. Surprise. <laughs> There's snow today. <laughs> Good luck with that. Yeah. Weather here, like, yeah, I think today was also probably the hottest day of the year so far. Pretty good. 26 Celsius. That was, that was good. A lot of people in the park. Also, today was a holiday, so, you know, everyone was out now working. Hmm. You wouldn't be able to tell that we're in midst of a global pandemic. It's fine. This is fine. What kind of countries have holidays on a Thursday? <laughs> Isn't that weird? Dude. <laughs> no, it's like tied to a specific event, you know, like it happened on this day and this day happened to be a Thursday. Huh. Do you Actually, do you know. also do it's... you also have holidays on Wednesdays? Like basically other than Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it, it follows the same rules as Christmas. Like we don't Do you do Christmas. you also have the Friday off? Oh, like the like a Easter thing? I don't know if it's Easter, but like I feel like I feel like if you have the Thursday off, you should automatically also get the Friday off, just like as got a bonus. It. I see. I see. What uh, got it? Yeah, it's that's like not how it works. No. <laughs> God damn it! Okay, wait. Can you hear the fans on my computer? Not as bad. Not so as far as I'm la- aware. Last episode, I remember at some point, and I remember because I was editing it, <laughs> and at some point, like I said, "Hey, can you hear the fans on my laptop?" And as I said that in the recording, I was thinking like, hey, is that the fan on my laptop? <laughs> and then I hear myself, hey, is that the... Uh, and it was for the first time in, I don't want to say forever because I'm not sure, but it definitely in a long time that I had to use uh, like a noise gate and stuff in my, in my own track to try hmm. to suppress that fan noise. Um, that's not cool. Um... <laughs> I don't know what to do now. Like this 16-inch laptop, the Mac, the MacBook Pro definitely like has a lot of more fan things going on than previous models. <laughs> Did um, you have Figma open? <laughs> fair question. Uh, maybe, and or Chrome because they're essentially the same. <laughs> right now, oh my god! My right now my GPU is at 99%. So yeah, is it 99% invisible? <laughs> it's freaking Chrome. <laughs> Well, and we're using Chrome for the for meat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, it's fine. This is fine. I'll use another. <laughs> this is thing. fine. <laughs> Did you see the meme? It's like the um. I think the description was like millennial these days, and it's the this is fine meme, but with plants everywhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Funny you say. Like I'm now surrounded by you know I have a plant right <laughs> nice. here and I got another one right here. Can relate. I also Definitely. have a lot of plants. Yeah, I can see that. I can see two from here. There you go. I got oh. like, lots of plants on my desk. 
It's like we've been running out of space for plants in this apartment, actually. Millennials be millennials. I saw that. Yeah, I saw from a couple of Instagram posts. Nice. You know, it's good. It's good. We're becoming moms and dads and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. It's okay. It's yeah. We're getting older. It's fine. So we should we should probably talk about stuff. So I have I have this one topic, but maybe I'll start by asking you a question. Have you played more Breath of the Wild recently? No, not at all. It was just one of those moments as I was editing the show that like, so this must have been like three or four episodes ago, you were talking about Breath of the Wild and you were complaining about just overall the progression system and you were like, oh, it's so annoying. I can't do anything. I'm always dying and like weapons are breaking all the time and like I can't wait to, you know, be stronger and have better equipment and stuff. And as I was editing, I was it was one of those moments that I was screaming at the iPad like a crazy person. Um, not really. But I was like, ah, Kevin, okay, I, I have thoughts. <laughs> um, and it was, I'm going to try to look this up because I, I, look, I found a... It's like definitely, a, like, I find that that's something that's good about this game. That mm-hmm. it, they, like, make you progress and evolve. I imagine at some point you can get weapons that don't, destroy themselves after <laughs> you hit an enemy three times but um but it's also i think what makes it a little bit frustrating no totally uh, i think weapons uh, equipment that wears off and breaks is annoying it is annoying it's an annoyance but uh, the thing i want to mention is breath of the wild has a very interesting progression system in my opinion um also it, start, it starts with the fact that it, the the storyline the, the quests are not linear right you can do quests in any order which is like i mean that can't how hard can that be just have a little quest points throughout the map and whatever you want to go first you know you trigger that one quest uh so easy peasy but then how do you tell a story how do you tell a narrative using cutscenes when you don't know the order where the user you know the player this the user well the player is going to trigger them right it's it's all it's really really hard and they pull that off you know Breath of the Wild is not a super intense, like, narrative-driven game. But I think with what we're trying to do, it was very successful, I think, at, at that. It was, it was impressive, at least. And so, but the thing, the progress, progressive system is, is not necessarily that you, the character, the player, gets stronger. Um, like, you do get, you, do, you will find stronger weapons and stuff. So, you know, by that, you will become stronger, kind of. But the thing that will, how you will progress and become a better player is just by things that you will learn not necessarily unlock or gain or whatever you just will learn little tricks in how the world works and that will make you a better stronger player like that's the thing that's going to make you die less um like the first time you're still in that i forget that name the that area that you have to unlock to before you unlock the rest of the map whatever like at at, the, at some point you will see a mountain, and by the way, all almost like all the level design is just based on interesting points that, you know, they trust that a player looks at the tall mountain and is like, huh, I want to climb that. I wonder what's <laughs> up there. And at almost any point, like there's some kind of reward at at like those places. But so you see a tall mountain and you try to climb it, and then you realize it's too cold and you start losing health. Yeah, like ah, I, shit, I guess times. I'll have to come back. <laughs> You're like, I guess I'll have to come back when I have, you know, warmer clothes or something. And that's one way to do it. Or you can, by chance, or because you looked up online, but by chance, realize like, oh, wait, wait, when I have a torch equipped, I actually don't lose health in the snow. So like, oh, that's a thing I can do. So all of a sudden, you are, you know, better equipped 
pun intended, to, to <laughs> go to those places. Or like, oh, if I have a fire sword, just having it on, like on my back, actually, that, that will keep me warm. That mm. does make sense. Um, so those little things that will ba- make you a better player and more. I know, tried eating well the uh, hot peppers, and that yeah. does not make you warmer, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> but if you, well, if you cook a hot pepper with like something else, that will. It's like it's very interesting. It's not maybe not raw. But, yeah. Anywho, it was just something interesting. I'll try to dig up like a. I remember watching a YouTube video about some of this stuff. Um, in the meantime, because I don't want to spam this whole episode about gaming stuff, I just want to share another video. Um, uh, about it's called "How Naughty Dog Decides Your Decisions," and it's how a so linear, uh, game like you know Naughty Dog games like you know uncharted and last of us how like the level design is built and designed in a way that like you think as a user you think you have a lot of freedom like you see a staircase uh like a stairwell and you decide oh i'm gonna climb it and you think you're making that decision but the level design is like making you inception obviously pick that thing and they use this example like, you get into a room and they were saying like okay of course the user naturally like the user will try to go the the, like the the direction opposite where they come from right like Mm. so they come from the back they want to go front they came from the right they want to go left right that's fair enough but then they use that like to the to trick you so you see a staircase because you just fell down a thing so instinctively you want to go up again so you see a staircase and you go that way you go like you know up and then you realize it's a dead end. And then you go back and you see, oh, actually, I could make a left, a right turn instead of a left turn. So you go there. And then you realize, actually, there was nothing there. So you're like, what the hell? And then you're coming down the stairs and you see like a path, like a door there. That was there all the time. But you just didn't see it. It was like kind of mm-hmm. hidden in a way. And only when you were coming on your way back did you see it. Anyway, I think that this shit is incredibly interesting. Um, so I'm dropping the, that YouTube That's really uh, cool. Link the show notes yeah i've been really liking those those kinds of things actually that's to me it's like a whole new world <laughs> that i wasn't mm-hmm. aware of before i like quote unquote got into gaming <laughs> which <laughs> yeah. i'm definitely like baby steps but um yeah. even like watching the video you recommended la- i think it was last episode or two Zip episodes ago yeah Batman? that was <laughs> so cool like describing yeah. exactly how they do the animations from one place to the other and like how do they make it feel like fun and engaging and it's just like all super clever stuff it's fascinating it's yeah uh speaking cool. of gaming though like before we we leave did you see the i mean i'm sure you've seen it the unreal engine stuff yeah isn't that crazy what do you think about it I thought it was batshit crazy, like, super impressive, of course. Like, just, it's not just how it looks, but, like, it's knowing that that's all rendered real-time. And and another layer is that it's not that it's just rendered in real-time, is that it's also calculating everything you, as a player, do. So it's not just rendering, like, a cutscene in the real-time, which a lot of games do. It's also, you know, being, adapting in, in <laughs> to, to, your, to your movement and your actions all on the fly and i know you know it's incredibly optimized for the system i'm sure i know this is probably like you know 200 gigabytes that little thing five minute demo (laughs) i know it is a tech demo and i've from experience i know that games will never look like that Um, oh okay they might look 
close uh, in maybe, you know, three, four years, five years in the generations, you know, console generation lifetime. But it will never look that mm. good. But so this is like what we can do at the in peak, a perfect environment. Like, right. Everything optimized, mm. you know. Um, but it nonetheless, it was incredibly impressive especially so i also watched the um, which if you're really into it i recommend i guess i watched this uh video it's like a 40 minute video of a game engine developer reacting to that video hmm. <laughs> and i like seeing these reaction you know react to videos because of someone who knows like the field because some things like ooh, that looks shiny that looks good but i don't know why is it impressive other than well it looks great so this this developer was like kind of you know, walking you through exactly why this was impressive and the breakthrough and whatnot. So again, I guess I'll take that link and put it in. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I'd love to check yeah, it out. What, what what did you think? I thought it was so cool. <laughs> like, and it's just like it to me. It made me realize like how much video games today are like. I don't know what's the right way to say this. Like, essentially, like. Baked, everything is baked in <laughs> like mm. it seems like there there's a lot of like and again i know nothing about how to make video games but just going off of like what i've seen like this new engine seems like it's reflecting the real world much more like they were even talking about how like the sound is like the actual like particles hitting the parts of the world like it it's not like someone in like a how do you call this like foley doing foley work or or whatever yeah, like yeah, yeah. trying to replicate the things like you would do like say for a movie it's like no 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 we will like actually compute what this mm -hmm. actual material would be in a real world and give you like that precise rock fell here and gave you that precise sound yeah. like same thing with the lighting like you're going through like maybe the lighting updates throughout the day like how does that change how you see the scene and like i guess spider-man is doing some of that but um i don't know i just found that like super interesting how we're getting really close to recreating real world physics and real world mm -hmm. things in a way that everything else before that kind of felt like a hack <laughs> And it was a hack, and it is, and it definitely makes uh, makes the the whole theory that we live in a simulation like way more plausible, you know. By the yeah. Uh, so one thing that I did learn from watching that Dev React video is that like the, apparently the biggest breakthrough in this is light refraction, how it's calculated in real time, um, and that's why the demo was uh, like in a cave mm -hmm. because you had only one light source. Um, and it's one thing, you know, light hits this object and this object, you know, you know, reacts to that light. Like, okay, this is how the object looks. If you shine a light on it, it will be brighter, right? That's one level of computation. The second one is, okay, but what about the light that hits this object and then refracts? So mm -hmm. it's going to illuminate things around it as well, not just the rock. And it's that refraction that, you know, in that cave, at one point, like they turned it off and you see just you know, everything's dark. You just see the light coming from the ceiling, from the hole in the ceiling. Um, and so that's why when they turned it on, like everything else, all of that light is being cast by the material. You know, it's like bounced back on the rocks. Anyways, <laughs> pretty complex, incredible shit. But. Yeah. 
And I was um, like, I want to yeah. play this game. <laughs> this game looks fun. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So we'll cool. have to wait a couple of years for things to look no, half as good as this, probably. But yeah. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. It's fine. It's good. It's progress. Uh, <laughs> okay. One. I have a, this one thing on, on in the show notes because I added maybe last week. Uh, last week was a rough week for me. I, you know, it was, it was one of those uh, weeks. And so one day, like, I was really not depressed, but kind of. But, you know, just a bad day. I didn't want to do anything. I think it's because we didn't record. Because the week before <laughs> was an amazing week for you. So, I don't that know. That is true. Well, but it was an amazing week before I recorded. So, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Your theory has. Don't tell people that. It, but, yes. <laughs> Anywho. So Edit this out. <laughs> I, did one, I did one thing that I do when I'm just like, I have nothing to do and I just want to get, you know, just be entertained. And is I watch old Apple keynotes. I don't know how weird this is. So, I'm going to start. <laughs> By, by asking, do you ever watch old... I'm talking like 2001... These are not three separate devices. Are you <laughs> getting it? Not just the iPhone. But, you know, like uh, Apple introduced... You know, Steve Jobs introduced the, the Power Mac G5 and the OS <laughs> X Panther. Those well, type of keynotes. Um, I'd say I do rewatch some keynotes sometimes. But usually mm. it's because someone links to them some way somehow so there's also a sense of nostalgia here but i haven't let's just say i haven't watched or rewatched an old keynote in a while maybe been been a couple of years maybe maybe two years because back in my college days i just realized looking back that i had all the time in the world you know when i was in college (laughs) (laughs) i just didn't realize it then um and of course that time was very uh defining years for for me as you know who i am today because that's when i got my first my first apple laptop my first apple device and i got really into apple and got into podcasting because i want to hear people talk about apple stuff and that's podcasting you know that that's podcasting indie apps and indie apps look where i am today so during those times i watched i want to i'm not going to say every keynote because probably maybe not but if not every single keynote available online, close. And several times. I just, I had these, like, in, during those, those three years I was in college, I had this, you know, uh, intensive uh, boot camp into, like, Apple history and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I read all the books on Steve Jobs and all everything. I was just crazy uh, interested in this company and this history and stuff. Um, and rewatching some of these keynotes today, I just realized how, like, of course I wanted to be a designer Like when I watched that. Like, at this one point, I was watching this old keynote in where Steve Jobs introduced, uh, like, most of the, the keynote was just introducing new updates to iLife apps. <laughs> Remember that? So updates to iPhoto and iMovie and iWeb. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just realized that, Watching this, that demo was Steve Jobs, you know, one of the most charismatic, you know, people in our industry, CEO, leader, whatever, um, demoing like UI design for 30 minutes. And like, we don't get this. He's like, look at this animation. Clicked it on five times. <laughs> Let's do it again. Like, look how this button changes on hover. You're like, whoa, we don't have this today. We, no one does this. Like no one gives this much importance to the actual interface, 
usually. So even the way Steve Jobs presented like these demos, these keynotes, I'm going to take uh, as an example iPhoto. So this was a version of iPhoto in where they introduced events. But before, so actually Steve Jobs starts by, very clearly by stating the, the problem that they're trying to solve, showing the solution that they arrived at, counter like a counterpoint to that solution of, well, well, but if we do this, then of course this other problem would arrive, fix that other problem too, and then, you know, wrap it nicely with like, in this is why we're, we're great at this. <laughs> so in this case was like, everyone loves iPhoto. Everyone takes a lot of pictures. Today, because of cell phones and all these disposable cameras and yada, 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 we take way more pictures than we did before. So one way that we organize these pictures is we create albums. And our users love albums. <laughs> uh, but then uh, our users today have dozens, if not hundreds of albums. And it's really hard to find the pictures you're looking for and manage these albums. Boom. Here's the problem. Clearly stated. So here comes the solution. So at Apple, what we did with this new version of iPhoto is we, we're going to automatically go through your photo library and... Uh, grouping all of your photos into events. Uh, what is an event? We're going to group events into days. So every picture taken in one day is one event. Here's another counter argument. But what if you go to a birthday party in the morning and then go to a wedding in the afternoon? That's clearly two different events, but they they took you know they took place in the same day. So we have this one button. You can select the pictures or whatever, like the starting point. Click split, and we're going to split it into different events. Like going through UI <laughs> thinking like that yeah. back in, you know, 99, 2001 and spending, it's not like a quick demo YouTube clip, you know, like a five minute introduction video. It's Steve freaking Jobs <laughs> spending 30 minutes talking about UI thinking in, you know, UI design. Incredible. No wonder I'm doing what I'm doing today. Right? Yeah. What a gem. It's it's also like a classic Steve Jobs thing with which they I don't think they do a lot now anymore, but mm -hmm. it's like pointing out the the obvious dig that the audience might have at what they're mm -hmm. talking about. So like I think a good example of this was the um the iPhone 4 where it's like it was like here's the iPhone 4. You might have seen it before, you know? <laughs> and then, like, he's like, but you might be wondering, what are these ugly black lines around mm -hmm. the ph phone, right? Like, he points it out exactly what you're thinking in your head and two he steps puts, ahead like, of giant everyone. circles on them. Like, what is this? And I was like, well, actually... This is those. Those are not ugly black lines. Those are like the smartest uh, antenna design we've ever created. And it's like, yeah. and then it goes into why that's cool and why you'd want that. And I think that duality of being able to like address a common like thing or like downside of something and mm -hmm. like counterbalance it with why it's, it's great. I think is like a super powerful thing to do in a presentation. And like, we don't see like they look at any Apple presentation these days. Like they don't really talk. They will never acknowledge like what is like Problems something. Yeah. Like a problem that someone yeah. think might happen. They'll just say like, right. isn't this great? Isn't this wonderful? Like this is the best iPhone we've ever made and blah, blah, blah. But like, they won't right. say like, but isn't it weird that the iPhone this year is thicker? than it was like last right, year right right 
<laughs> it's like no like they'll just they'll just not mention it like they they just won't address it but i think it just ends up feeling less like powerful in terms of message i think and you know you know that with steve jobs like he was the first person that saying like what the fuck are these ugly <laughs> black lines on the phone right like someone had to convince him that it was a good idea because um, when you acknowledge someone's uh issues with something or you know raising problems and then answer them or solve them on the spot you are like you're gonna look way smarter than the audience and if they see someone smarter but not like they don't frame these problems like and some people might think these are ugly those people are stupid because there's you know it's never coming from a bad place they never shame you for thinking you know for not trusting them or whatever no they just acknowledge you like we're on your side we ask these questions and then we solve them as well so we're just you know a bit a couple steps ahead of you and then people take that and that's what they're going to tell their friends and then their friends is like oh that iphone has weird antenna lines actually those antenna lines are you know this and this and this so it's it's also pretty powerful just message to deliver and it's 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 interesting because like that that journey thinking throughout these problems that's what design is. Yeah. Like we look at a problem, we try to solve it, we try to design it. And then we get to a point in where it's like, well, but if we create events separated by a day, then what happens if you have two events in one day? You know, and that's just a checkpoint. Like, okay, the next phase will continue. Like these are cycles. You go through very many cycles in a design phase, in a design cycle. So it's like that's exactly the type of design thinking that you have to go through that they did go through and yeah it's, it's incredible to see that like you know by delivered by your ceo <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's just brilliant all around and like if you watch like a couple of Steve jobs presentations like you will see this in so many of his presentations like contrasting like good versus bad like mm-hmm. even talking about the iPhone, like what do most people use to interact with their phone? A stylus. Ugh, this is terrible. Like you have to take them, get them. No, we don't want that. Here's here's what it could be. Okay, it's it's your it's your fingers. And mm-hmm. but what about like typing on a phone? And it's like show it's like showing like good, bad, good, bad. Like how do we address yeah. all these these problems? It's and I think you're right that it is the one of the best manifestations of what is design like what does that process actually look like and i actually feel like as designers we should learn some things from that um i've interviewed a lot of people and um obviously like process is a huge part of an interview because i as an interviewer and i think just like in general, like most people in the industry, we don't just care about your end result. We care about the steps you had to take to get there. The problem is that most people end up focusing on essentially like the textbook, like here's five steps to create a mock-up essentially, where it's like step one, we we did the post-its and then we created the personas and then we, <laughs> you know, and then we did the wireframes triggering and, me. and then, and then we did the mock-up like, isn't this great? Yeah. Oh, and we did, we did the research too, right? Like this is essentially what 
90% of people say in interviews when you ask about process. But that's not what I want to hear. Like, I know everyone does does some kind of research and everyone does some kind of wireframing or sketching exercise. Like, what you have to tell me is, like, what, like, what were you trying to do? What was the thing that you were like, oh, like, you know, we we know that everyone has a tr- has trouble organizing their photos. And so we're like, what if we could organize them by days? But then we found out like, oh, actually, like this is problematic because some people have like, it's right. what you actually did in the context that matters. Um, and like thinking about like the actual insights, not just like the action you took. Because <laughs> if you look at it in, right. in that lens, like it's like, oh, well, like, what is your process? Well, um, I sit in front of the computer for five hours and then I move my mouse around. <laughs> it's like, no, like, that's not right. what I care about. What I care about is, like, what is the thinking behind it? And especially how you deal with, like, when you start a project, when you have the brief that you have to fix this, you have to, okay, make people uh, better organize their photos. That, there's not, like, one solution. The overall end result of a solution is very small solutions to smaller problems that arrive that you discover while you're looking for the ultimate solution ultimate product so it's not like they just fixed how do we sort in group photos is like how do we as we're trying to discover the solution and all these problems will arrive and all these like technical constraints is going to they're going to be presented to you that you were not aware in the beginning that you're not even sure that you were going to face them or whatever like how do you deal with that and it changes a lot depending on what kind of product you're building what kind of team do you have the budget the size of the company all those things but like even in a small startup it's not exactly like can you design a really cool product is can you design it does it fix your problems can you work with a very small team and implement this in three weeks can you, you know, if not, what else can you shave off? How can you descope it? How can you do something that works with the things you have? You know, there's a lot of smaller problems that you will discover as you go along and you cannot, you know, be one step ahead of them, that you cannot predict them. Um, you get better at reacting them with experience, I think. I've been finding <laughs> out. Uh, you're way more pragmatic and you don't freak out or get uh, frustrated or you get, you know, because that happens a lot. <laughs> If like if you've been working on a product for three years and you haven't shipped, oof, that's that takes a toll on you, right? And so, yeah, whatever. Those are all the things that people don't really prepare you for. I think when you're starting out, uh, but that's that's what the work is. Yeah, totally. Cool. <laughs> nice. What a nice conversation. Yeah. Now I feel like going and watching some some old keynotes in preparation sure. <laughs> for uh, for WWDC, which I'm excited about. Yeah, I am really excited. And curious. Yeah, exactly. And, like, who knows what it's yeah. going to be like this time around? Um, like, will we even see presenters? I think is right. the big question. There was there there were a couple sessions that were released. Still part of WWDC were like released. Maybe when the actual final build came out or something. You know, like I remember. I think it was um, iPhone 11 Pro specific things or something like that. Anyway, they they released like a couple uh, sessions. Uh, not live, not on stage. And so those I have no problem imagining because I've done some of it. I just assume it's going to be similar. Like especially the main keynote, you know, the press <laughs> event and stuff. That is, I, I have no clue what's going to look like. Yeah, I mean, surely we're going to see Federighi 
like on camera somehow. Right. Um, who knows if it's going to be like from home or from like alone in the Apple campus. Um, but yeah, I don't Can know. I prediction. I feel like it's a. I feel like it'd be a shame if um, if we don't see. It. To me, it's like the presenters, like in the rest of WWDC. I want to see their faces. Is that weird? Is that too much to ask? Like, because they never show them. Like on the if it's like just like a separate video, it's just right. the slides with the voiceover. And I feel like it's a bit impersonal. Like I'd love to see the it's people. totally, totally. I it's not weird. I agree. Um, if I if I could make a prediction, I. I'm going to predict that they, you know how they have usually like an opening video, you know, to, to, to kick off the, the event. I'm predicting that we will have something similar, like a small one minute, two minute video kicking off WWDC. And it's all going to be about working from home. So it's going to be like low production, you know, maybe shot with their iPhone engineers and Apple execs at home. It may be like the family, something kind of funny, humorous, like, aren't we all in this together? Isn't this a crazy situation? But Apple, everything's gonna be okay, type of thing. Yeah, that's. I think that's that's a, that's a solid bet. Yeah. Like third party app app developers working from home. Right, and you were like, we were already working from home. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so today we have still more topics. There's a couple things that I can, we can talk about it next week, but I think we should talk about uh, Framer and maybe the Figma thing. Um. We don't. It feels weird now to like talk about news because <laughs> nothing has happened in the past month, months, and even if it did happen, we wouldn't. We don't care anymore. No, we don't care about anything anymore. Uh, but this, I think, this design tools must go on, about. Rafa. <laughs> <laughs> Show title. Uh, yeah, no, they do. They, they they definitely do, and they did. So framework came out with. Well, technically, it's like now it's like the Framer. They don't have a name, but <laughs> if you really have to differentiate it from older Framers, it's Framer Web, Framer for Web, Framer in the Web, whatever. Framer has a new face. It has a new uh, home. Uh, it works on the web. <laughs> it has a kick-ass marketing site. Holy <laughs> pants. It's so As good. Always. It's, it's so good. They have a different tone. They're less like rock we're cool and more <laughs> are more approachable more colorful more bubbly um there's some handwriting web, some handwriting this feels like okay so the style of this feels very much apple marketing inspired by a lot of things even the the video they're like okay don't blink feature 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 you know <laughs> yeah uh the the little yeah hand-drawn annotations is very uh, you know ipad marketing thing but they executed perfectly i think it's, it doesn't feel like they're ripping off something it's just they, they took a style that works and they you know they went with it so uh yeah so i don't know before we start talking about the tool do you have any opening i don't know what do you, what do you think of this were you surprised were you what are your thoughts about this whole thing um no i guess like one thing that's interesting is framers lineup like is increasingly confusing <laughs> about what is it how does it work? Is this is it an app? Like, do they still have Framer Classic, Framer X, and Framer? Like, it was already kind of mm-hmm. confusing, and I know a lot of people who had stuck with Classic, and now it's mm-hmm. like, let's try again, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's like, one day we'll one day we'll get there. Um, but on the other hand, like, 
I know from Framer that I should expect quality because um, they always release stuff that is like super polished and they try stuff, which I think like, yeah. you know, I can complain about how like a little bit confusing sometimes their product lineup is. But um, I do think it's interesting that they're trying these different approaches and trying to see like what resonates a little bit more with people. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, I think it, it makes sense. And, um, even just this, like initially, uh, seeing that they're out of the gate with collaboration <laughs> just feels like, whoa, where did that come from? Right. Because I don't think that f the other framer had live collaboration. No, no. Yeah. So this is totally new. Um, so, so I, I don't know. It feels kind of surprising. Yeah. I was also a bit confused, like, okay, so is Framer X being discontinued or not? Uh, what what gives? Is Classic still around? All that. I did some digging. I tried to understand. Like, So first, yes, you if you look carefully, you realize that they are changing tone a little bit or changing uh, strategies, whatever. Like with Framer X, I think they were a bit, I don't want to say too ambitious because, you know, that's not fair ever to say, but they were aiming very high. They wanted to be the tool for everything in all of your design system and all of your React components and do everything here, um, which was a big departure from Framework Classic, which was very much, you know, write CoffeeScript and come up with cool interactions. Um, and with this, I think they are coming back to focusing on prototyping. Like the byline in the, in the title is, Framework is the best prototyping tool for teams. So in this sentence, you see, okay, it's the best prototyping tool. So that's it. They're not going to say, ditch Figma. You know, no, this is a prototyping tool and for teams. So another focus on collaboration and, and yeah, teams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think that's probably the right bet. And if you nail this, it's, in, it's, it's easier to win in this space. And then if you do win, then you can expand slowly. Um, so I think it's probably a good move move for them. Uh, so I think regarding Framer X and all the other tracks, I am pretty sure they are. You know, they're still around, but I'm. I don't think they'll be actively developing those. Mm -hmm. Now there is a Framer like a desktop app, which is pretty much the same the the, thing, the same thing you get on you know with a web interface. So you get the same UI. Which was is a bit different from the Framework X one, and the UI is in, oh, lovely, lovely. Uh, so you do get that. Um, so this is a des the new desktop app for Framer. It's a new desktop app. Yes. So if you go framer.com/slash/desktop, um, you you get it. So, but here's a, here's a caveat. Like they want you to use the web one, and the 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 desktop tra uh, app is. Only if you are on the, uh, the pro plan, pro or um, enterprise, like the the paid plans, effectively. Um, and but by, by the way, if you have an active license with FrameRx, like you you have been automatically upgraded to a pro plan. Um, so if you have that, you can download the new one, the new desktop uh, app. So here's here's the difference between these this desktop app and the web interface. Um, here's the things you can only get on desktop. Web exports and previews, uh, installing packages from npm, Git integration, asset exporting, and you can use local fonts. And here's the things you can only get on the web: live collaboration, commenting, 
Figma importing, prototype view, and project dashboard. So all the, you know, it's, this is not like you should, honestly, I'm going to say you shouldn't use a desktop one unless you really yeah, need like so get integration weird. or whatever. So for example, if you start a project, you open the desktop app and open and create a new project and prototype, and then you go to the web, you're not going to see it in the file, you know, in the dashboard. You have to import it. Let's say if you want to collaborate or want people to comment on it. And then you can't like export again. You know, it's it's a one way street. I think so weird. Um, it is kind of weird. So I think it's they, like, they just. I don't think they're fooling anyone into thinking that this is not just like a web view, right? Like, I'm not sure. I honestly don't know exactly. Because if it was just a web view, why wouldn't they be able to? Support, yeah, I don't you know, know. Like this, this seems weird to me. Maybe it's not. Right? But like, uh, I feel like their old UI was just a web view. I thought so too, but apparently not. I mean, you were reading local files and stuff, so it's not. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly the difference. Yeah. Hmm. Um, but anywho, so I did also another thing. If you try to use a tool for a little bit, uh, you can see that they're not. Uh, they 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 eased up on the like code your things uh, a little bit. They're 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 thinking about people who just you know if you don't want to code, uh, now you can create a lot of cool interactions and prototyping thing and i think that the the big secret sauce is the uh, magic motion that's what you call it which is imagine magic move from keynote but with a lot more control and you can actually you know anywho it's 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 fantastic i think um to create just very easily and fast create good animations and transitions so yeah, they they are refocus refocusing. They are, uh, you know, trying to be more approachable, not just in terms of tone and brand and all, but also um, in in how we use the tool. Now the thing is free, another point for being approachable. Um, in in terms of execution, like you said, you expect quality from anything Framer puts out. I think this is this is close to perfection in terms of just execution on these ideas the tool and by the way they were working on this for a year that's impressive <laughs> it took a year to to do this um so yeah it's it's awesome i'm 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 really inspired by this whole thing not just the tool but also the marketing side everything it's awesome yeah i think uh, yeah like i i like this new starting point better than <laughs> where they were before i think this has uh, it seems like it's closer to what it needs to be. Um, mm-hmm. I do have like a couple questions though. Like, a, I'm not sure if it's not too late for for them, which is like a bit unfair because they can't really control anything there, and like nothing's ever really too late. But but I do feel like the mm, I I don't know how to say this, but like the the sort of like wave of prototyping being like huge seems mm-hmm. like it's died down a little bit not that it's completely over but with things like swift ui and with just like figma like it seems like most people are like now a little bit more comfortable doing less like heavy interaction prototyping than they were maybe that's just my perspective but it seemed like there was a while where like everyone was like crazy about them and mm-hmm. now we're kind of like oh yeah but like all this crazy prototyping like that was cool but you know mm. 
I just need these like three transitions <laughs> and that's fine. I can imagine the rest. Um, so that's the timing piece. I think my second challenge with them is this is a great starting point. Um, it does require you to do like load up a lot of different plugins, I guess. I don't know if that's how they call it or components or something for doing different things. So, like, for example, like, my test for a prototyping tool like this is, can I recreate um, Instagram stories? Because hmm. I find that it's, like, a, a an interesting kind of, like, challenge where it requires mm-hmm. some, like, animation, like, different things to be moving, different speeds, and different, like, swiping interactions and, and taps and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I oh, think... Again, I'm not an expert, right? Like, so I'm sure, like, there'd be like a uh, a framer wizard <laughs> who would go in there and maybe like have ways to like do that much better than I can. But you can get like, okay, I'd say like maybe half of the way there, um, mm. where like they make it easy to have like a paging component and they have these like cool transitions, so you can have it like do the cube transition and one of the things i love the most actually about um about framer is the ability to include the status bar that has the current time like i just find it's it's like a silly thing but i find it the coolest that i literally just drag status bar and it's like all there with the right time and i can switch the dark or light mode if i want to and like it just is very easy and again that's like a third party component um but then i'm like okay i want to automatically rotate the image basically move on to the next page after a certain period of time how do i do that in framer framer classic pretty easy like you just have a delay and then just you know um I feel like I'm missing this here. Like, how do I hook into something? And I know I can go in and create my own code component (laughs) with Mm -hmm. all of this, but I don't want to do that. This is why I'm using a prototyping tool. (laughs) Like, if I wanted to code things, I would code it, you know? Um, And maybe I can go shopping around for, like, is there some kind of plugin? But to me, it just misses, like, the ability to connect different values and different triggers that is just not quite there yet. But again, like I think I see this as this is like, we're starting from scratch. Like this is the new foundation for framer. Mm. And I think it's a great place to start. Like they have a lot of the core components, like they have commenting, they have live um, collaboration, the baseline of like how the editor looks and works is great like in my opinion better than than figma um and so they're at a great starting point but i want them to like continue that innovation on like basically they need to sell me on like why does a prototyping tool need to exist and i think to me like the extreme high fidelity of like you have all of your components they're all like fully built and fully animated and you're just playing with lego blocks i don't buy it like i just don't think again like feel free to quote me on this you know like (laughs) in in a few years but like i just don't see it because like 
to me, prototyping is all about the flexibility of like trying ideas quickly. And the idea of like using these Lego blocks is the total opposite of that. It's like you're just plugging and and like, you know, the different components of your design system here. And at this point, I don't need like a fancy prototyping tool. Like I, I, you know, you can even just use the React components and like build them on the real page or whatever. I guess that's presuming you're doing something on the web. If you're doing something on iOS, eh, I don't know. Like I'd, I'd argue that a lot of the times maybe Swift UI is going to be probably easier for you to get there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't buy that part. I also don't really buy the sharing code between production and, and uh, prototyping because I think there's a lot more considerations and it, it gets like a little hard to sing those things. Again, maybe they could make it easier, but I don't know. I it, it just brings a lot more complexity. So basically to me, it's like what this tool is supposed to be great at is... I have this idea of this cool interaction, like, I don't know, you drag your mouse around and it does these, these particle effects or it does these whatever, you know? Um, how like easy does it allow me to do that without having to jump into code? That's what I want to see. Um, I'm seeing the early stages of that. And I, I do think that like the fact that they have this like code way of of like creating these like highly polished components mm -hmm. probably makes sense as like the foundation for having these core components so for example like that status bar thing makes total sense like it's great that someone can build that and then tons of people can just use it and it's fine but as a user of this tool i don't want to have to go to code like 99 of the time and so let me like get away basically like Maybe import some of the ideas for from um, uh, what's the name of Facebook's prototyping tool? Origami, yeah. Like how I can like yeah. connect certain values together. Um, I think once they figure right. out a way to do that, um, it'll be really good. Yeah, so, I I don't disagree with anything you said. Honestly, I think it is all fair points. Uh, I do think with, with Framework Classic, it was. Like the the journey, the learning curve, it was not really a curve. It was a very linear thing. Like you open it and you, especially if you don't know how to code, like you're not stuck, but it's like, okay, what now? And you very slowly by picking up examples know like, okay, if I write this little piece of snippet of code, it does this. And you like slowly, gradually build on top of it. It's a very linear, gradual thing. But if you just invest enough time into Framework Classic, you could do pretty cool things and you can do pretty cool things pretty fast actually with framer x i think the like the starting point it was just a lot to ask from people like oh you want to use framer x awesome here's react um <laughs> it was a big big ask and i am no, i have no doubts that if you did invest if you did put in the time if you knew react if you learned all the things you needed to do like you could do incredible things, right? You could have production the same components that you have in production in your app. You could, you could do crazy things using Git, and you know. Um, so, yes, but it was a lot to ask from users. With this, it's like out of the box. The learning curve is now it's pretty easy. They they spent a lot of time and and they did a lot of work in their examples and tutorials and onboarding things. So if you open this, 
first of all, it looks familiar because if you use Sketch or Figma or whatever, it looks familiar to you. So you very, very quickly start doing things that you know how to do. And then as you want to add these interaction and functionalities, it's like, it's again, very easy. Oh, you want this little action to be scrollable? You know, add the scroll thing, connect it to the other frame. And, you know, it's it's pretty easy. But then there's like a valley at some point. You mentioned the timing, you know, the little delay that you were looking for. At some point, and it's pretty far along, you you just face a, a you know, <laughs> a cliff. You know, like, okay, now what? Yeah. And then to get over that cliff, I think it does require a lot from you. And it's not unfair to ask users to put in the effort and learn the tools, right? It's usually like a there's a big... You know, the more you you invest, the more you get in return. Um, still to this day, Photoshop, if you never open Photoshop and you open it and you try to do anything, Jesus, <laughs> you know, it's 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 complicated. It's hard. So a lot of these things, I think it's it's okay to, to ask users to, well, if you want to do incredible things, you have to put in a little bit of time and effort. But but it is still an ask. So I think now you can get way, way pretty far um, you know, without without putting a lot of effort. I think uh, their tutorials and examples are great. And if you just go through that, you can do a lot of things. But then, like you said, if you want to go the extra mile, it still requires a lot from you. And uh, like you mentioned, it would be great for the people who know to, how to do that and, you know, the people who are on the other side of the cliff, <laughs> if they could somehow contribute to the other people, you know, create these patches, these components, and then other people could reuse. Um, that could be pretty powerful. Uh, but... Uh, only time will tell right yeah and i think that's what they're trying to do now but i'm just saying like i don't want to search like some kind of extension store (laughs) to do like a simple (laughs) functionality like i want more stuff to be built in totally i i was I, i think i tweeted this i was trying to do a page curl type of animation interaction um and honestly i was thinking of applying this to it was like a, a thing for another file like a, a ui thing um and so i wanted to do it and very quickly like i even i tried framer and i just looking at examples and asking around like Oof, this is going to be a lot of work isn't it and if if the answer is yes then i'm like well then i should just do it the real thing so like i should actually code it with it's all with javascript or with css something that we can then actually use and at that point, like, you know, these tools lost. Um, ended up not doing it, by the way. <laughs> and I was yeah, talking was like to a friend of mine. Doing a page uh, curl. Uh, Devin. You know Devin. Yeah. I was talking to Devin, and I explained, like, my idea. And he's like, oh, I can, I can do that in three <laughs> seconds in After Effects. Which is like, oh, okay. They'll make it for a cool dribble post. You know, it's not usable. It's, it's After Effects. But <laughs> I might... This idea might just be a dribble post one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably will. But be, that, you know. like, what you're saying is actually like a good example of, you know, like you you want the right tool for the job, <laughs> and in some ways, like, if doing something in After Effects would be faster, then I think you've kind of like lost. Like my mm-hmm. the ideal thing that I think people want is After Effects but interactable. <laughs> I don't know. I never use After Effects, so I can't actually. And like knowing that, right. like After Effects also has like a bunch of complexity. But I'm saying like right. in stuff like this, like there's, they should take cues on like okay, what do these tools do, and how they make it possible to do these 
more complex, more advanced animations in a pretty straightforward way. Right. I one tool that I use a lot, and just like you, like okay, I use the Instagram test, or we were talking earlier, and you're like this feedback form should be easier than tweet that's your benchmark right yeah a lot of for a lot of things my benchmark is like would this be easier in keynote <laughs> yeah see and there you go the only reason why this works is magic move like that's the secret sauce of keynote and like i've made a lot of promotional videos for netlify and stuff just using keynote uh it takes a lot of you know once you know you know right you you will develop your own system to rapidly create these transitions in like videos or animation and then keynote has did you know you could export uh, a keynote presentation to you know as a video and even set the timing of the time you know they'll take to switch between slides or you wait on a slide and they know you know <laughs> <laughs> uh so so for that for a lot of things like framework acts it was just like pff, no I'll just you know keynote for what I wanted simple enough and I do not require that level of fidelity uh, to in the keynote is, is you know suffice. Uh, and I think with this magic uh, shit, I forgot what they call it, the the framer equivalent of magic move, of magic motion, something like that. Anyway, that's that is like okay. I think this brought it over the edge of the, the keynote edge. You know, now it's <laughs> I think this is probably easier and better than keynote. Which uh, for me, that's a pretty big achievement, I think. <laughs> but only again, only time will tell. This is, just came out, and yeah, I can tell you that today I want to use it, right? So I will. I'm like vigilant to like, do I need or want to do anything that I could use Framer for? You know, like I, it's. It, I think it's a testament to the execution. Like the tool is so nice and so good. That I want to find reasons to use it, and yeah. that is an incredible, incredible achievement. And props to the team. Yeah, totally. It's and it's a it's a good thing. It's also why I think like some of our other feedback is important. I think because I also get this. Like when I look at it, I'm like, damn, this is cool. Like I wish I could spend my days in a tool that looks like that. <laughs> right. um, but then that means I'm I'm signing up and I'm using it, especially now that they've made it free. And I think for a lot of tools like this, like they suffer from the problem of like we try try it once and then determine no, that's not for me, and then mm-hmm. basically never look at it again. And like yeah, like there are ways that they can try to like get us to to look at it. But um, I really do hope that this is enough of like a, an MVP so that people actually like stick with it beyond right. just like checking out the first time things to do and, and by the way they are not in any way uh competing with figma like at least from their from their communication well they're not saying that but oof everyone's yeah. competing with figma <laughs> yeah it's smart not to position yourself as that uh but just their basic editing tools uh they're they're really good yeah so, it, well yeah well, I mean, it's like you might say you're not <laughs> competing against Figma, but just because you say it doesn't mean, mean it's true. <laughs> right. Um, it's like, I think, a very good recent example of, of a, a tool that has been found, found use cases that they were not maybe intended for, or maybe they were secretly, but like, uh, anyway, I'm digressing. Notion. Notion was like, oh, this tool to take, to write notes. But it was so 
abstract and simple that you can use it for however you saw fit. And so it started as like, well, write all of your documentation and all of your internal docs you know, in a company here. And then it's like today it's being used for all kinds of shit. There, you know, people are replacing OmniFocus and you know things and notes and all that with Notion. And now people, including us at Netlify, like some of us are using Notion as like the project management tool. Hmm. And it's like this tool that so versatile and simple that you can you can use it for whatever you see fit. Like like Keynote, you know, Keynote for prototyping. That's never there was never the 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 intent, but still, uh, it was versatile enough that you could use it. And so, with this framer thing, I think it's smart that they are focusing on prototyping. Sure, but you know, it has a lot more that you could use it for other things. And because it's free, that I think that's key for to allow people like to just experiment and use it for whatever. It's free, you know. Like, sure, you can use a. Uh, keynote or, or powerpoint or whatever but you can also use framer to create these slides and have cool transitions within, within slides it's free and it's good at it so anywho cool yeah no, totally agree so speaking of figma <laughs> you had you posted on twitter a great great video on um i don't know i guess it was just like some thoughts on like how <sighs> basically like UI inconsistencies in Figma are essentially like a long series of paper cut. How do you how do you feel about that video now? Okay, first thing I want to make this clear. That tweet was a reply to someone. <laughs> it was not like publicly like, hey, I want Sorry for putting a giant spotlight on this. But then, you know, yeah, then Kevin ruined everything cuz he retweeted. Um so, That was honestly thanks, the most the most hilarious video I've seen in a long <laughs> no, time. I, I don't think that's stop laughing. very funny. I can do better. <laughs> I can. I can. You can do funnier. Uh, I wasn't trying to be funny, but well, yeah. I'm glad you <laughs> thought it was funny. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I just wanted to say this because I did not expected, intended, really wanted. If I'm being honest, for that t- tweet to have as much visibility as ended up ended up having. Um, Because I'm not comfortable criticizing products and people, especially if I know people who worked on it, you know? (laughs) And we, I think we talked about it kind of maybe in some way or form uh, in the past. But like, you know, I don't don't feel very comfortable. In that tweet, I got a lot of, you know, people saying, haha, yes, I agree, or good points or whatever. But I also got some people saying, not fair, or like, yeah, but what about this? And, and, those things affect me way more than I than I wanted. <laughs> hmm. So, like, I don't. I feel. I feel very. Feel a lot of like anxiety uh, and stress <laughs> if, like, if I that people will misinterpret it or just honestly, I have a hard time if I know or think people don't like me. <laughs> or, I don't know. Think I'm an asshole or like. Oh, I mean, I think uh, some people are better at not being affected by this but we're between friends here like (laughs) i think you know it's i i feel like it's something that's maybe missing in our industry or at least that i don't see that often like you kind of see the crazy people that are like 
<laughs> saying, oh, you know, these designers are terrible and they should hate themselves right. for, for doing this and this is the worst thing that, that was invented. And then you have on the other side the, well, designers can do no wrong. If it was this way, that means it must have been a reason and, like, things are complicated and so, like, mm-hmm. we must never essentially, like, say anything bad. And I'm trying to find the middle between this of, like, mm-hmm. hey, we use it, we like it for the most part, but you know, there's these things that could be better. And I think that kind of discourse just makes everyone better. And like, I'm sure there was a million reasons. And like you were, if you were to poke around in Shopify, like sure you'd find tons of stuff that I don't love. Like 100%. Like, like I'm not trying to play a game of like, who's better than who. But I also do think that, that there's an interesting design discourse to be had about some, issues or challenges that like we see in, in tools that we use every day. Like even like I had the example, like on my Twitter to include myself in this, but like um, on basically like the new uh, feature that Twitter rolled out on um, allowing you to choose like who replies to what, like I didn't even address like in this tweet, I didn't even address like the actual usefulness of the feature, which I think maybe is questionable. (laughs) Like, um, of basically deciding like who can reply, who cannot reply. Look, I don't know if this is a good feature or not, but what I do know is that there were some serious like content things that were weird about it. Yeah. Um, and maybe to everyone else was like super obvious, but I'm sure that there's like one or two people who saw that, that tweet and were like, Oh yeah, that's interesting. Like I've, I haven't thought about, content in that way as like a thing that i should pay attention to as a designer and we can have a conversation about like why do you want to surface some information sometimes and when do you not want to surface it like what it what does it mean to have like clear content or what and i think those are conversations that are so much easier to have when you have specific examples Versus when you talk about it in the abstract, like I think this is how you end up with like the design Twitter kind of like designers should blah, blah, blah. Like (laughs) that's because it's so devoid of any context that it's like hard to really like understand what the people, what the person's talking about. Um, So I don't know. I don't think you should feel bad bad about it. I know like we have tons of friends who work um, at Figma and they're great. They're awesome. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, if anything, they're the first ones to like want that kind of feedback. Um, I hope so. And I, uh, you know, I haven't never heard things that would make me believe otherwise. Uh, I think it's it's very, it's important how you phrase the feedback, of course. And in the case of Figma, I I do I you know I've been publicly complaining about some of the things. I I don't have issues with it, but also it's the tool I use at Netlify now. It's it's a tool that we chose to use. Uh, you know, despite the flaws, because it has a lot of benefits. It has a lot of great things going for it as well. And maybe one can say that, you know, we should maybe try to balance things. You know, these criticisms are pointing out flaws uh, with also, uh, you know, praise and pointing out the good things. And I, I think I tried to do that. So, like, my first tweet was like, Figma changed the game, set a very high bar, what the design tool could do, yada, yada, yada. And then second, I just said... And I love what it allows me to do, but I'm a bit disappointed how it makes me do those things. And then I talk about the things. And and so I think the here's the thing. Like I, I'm pretty sure I'm I'm 
very confident that the things that I pointed out as like little issues, little annoyances that eventually add up to me, like I think it's really hard to 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 say that those things are not valid or like they're actually not problems. Like actually it's good. You know, I think it's I'm trying to remove bias or subjectivity from these things, right? Like I'm not gonna say, oh, this color, ugh, right? <laughs> no, because that's that's probably subjective maybe, unless it's a really bad color. But you know, so I try to just focus on the things that are inequivocally maybe issues or things that could be improved. Uh, and then I get there's three types of re- of response to that replies to that. Some people could just say, "I do agree," or like, "Actually, never thought about like things are putting out effectively like positive, uh, a positive take on what I said." Then there's the people who say, "Um, how should I classify this? It's not that they dismiss." what i said but like they are not acknowledging that as like a, a real problem and so people say like well how 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 often are you clicking on the setting screen mm-hmm. anyway like that's missing the point the point is not like i don't do it enough so you know like it, it's still bad you can say it's not as bad as other things because that's not where users spend their most time on okay but that's a different argument right yeah and and then some people just completely say actually that's wrong and <laughs> It's actually a great feature. I think it's a great implementation. And they just disagree with what you're saying. The disagree one, because again, I said I'm very confident that I believe what I'm saying is valid. Those types of feedback, I do not care. Um, people agree with me like, well, yeah, yeah good, thanks. Uh, but then the people who just missed a point in like misinterpret what I'm trying to say, I don't know if purposefully, I, I think they're just defensive you know, because they love Figma in this case, and they don't want to hear people say bad things about it, so they try to invalidate or like actually, but it's pretty good at this. You know, like well, <laughs> yeah. And I think even people that work at Figma, I want to believe because I'm, and now I'm projecting. Like I'm thinking, me, the, the work I do. If people were to criticize, uh, you know, my work online. By the way, first, like you said. Man, I can do a really good job at criticizing my own work because I know everything that is wrong with it. And a lot of times, I would actually welcome some of this public uh, criticism uh, because, like, maybe they could point out something that I didn't see, and so that's gonna that's gonna make me just be more aware of the flaws, which is great. Like, if I didn't see it. It's like a blind blind spot, right? And I want to know. I want to be aware of what's going on. So I would welcome that. But most importantly, if they will point it out something that I know it's a problem, and that's usually most of the time, like, again, I'm pretty sure people that work at Figma, if they saw the video, they're like, yeah, I know, but, you know, like, I know it's not bad. I have all these reasons, all these contexts, why it is the way it is. Like, I'm not going to try that. That's not that you're wrong, but I... I that worked on it, I know why it's the way it is. And most, at least again, projecting for me, it's like, well, I know it's a problem, but we can't prioritize. Like we have bigger problems to solve. We have other business goals that I need to work on first before I fix that one weird interaction in that weird setting screen, right? I know this. And if I have that type of public criticism, I as a designer who also wants to fix these things could use that almost as like ammunition internally to say hey we should fix this because it's not just something that i am saying or annoys me internally or a couple designers here and there people out there are uh 
complaining about it and enough people are resonating with with the, these complaints that I think, you know, now it has enough weight for us to internally address it. And I think that would be honestly like the best case scenario of all this. People complain about it, come from a good place, and that complaint helps fix those things. Uh and everyone's happy, right? So that's ultimately my goal. I still get very stressed out when I do this, <laughs> but uh, that's like that's that's my shining light. I try to believe these things and think about the positives and what it could be. And yeah, totally. But yeah, if you want to do more of these, I'm <laughs> I'm totally down. <laughs> so I think it's interesting. Like I love nerding out about this and maybe like taking this conversation full circle. Like it's another kind of design discourse that is a little bit more nuanced, right? Like it talks about what are the positives versus and contrasting them with the negatives and like even potentially like in future things like as you look into different products like talking about the trade-offs in UI I think are also really interesting um for example we've talked about about framer like there's lots of different trade-offs in the approach that they've decided to take and so mm-hmm. it's not necessarily all good and it's not necessarily all bad but sharing that publicly i think to me is like super interesting is and what i like seeing on twitter and on on my feed um so i don't know i encourage you to keep doing it but i also encourage our listeners that like hey you know it's not bad to say you know to point out like the the flaws you see in apps and services that you use and there's a way you can do it in a nice way like you don't have to be terrible about it like look at rafa like rafa is the nicest person and like when he talks about things like this it comes from a place of love of like i really want this to be better um and it's not because we point out that hey you know this thing's weird or we don't love the design of this that the designers are bad (laughs) like heck like we all work on these products all day every day we know there's constraints we know there's and like my assumption in all of these is that designers are the first ones to point out the same thing that we are internally so yeah cool that was that was cool that was a nice chat (laughs) god i'm loving this episode again i don't know if it's because we're skipping every other week now because you know the world and whatever but uh i know yeah i'm loving these uh, but it's been an hour and 15. Should we do recommendations? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. All right. <laughs> I'm so ready for recommendations. Yeah, you are. Not. <laughs> Checks notes. There's <laughs> nothing there from Kevin. Uh, Kevin, why don't I start? Um, yeah. Is that okay? Go for it. <laughs> okay. I have, uh, I have two recommendations. One is um, there's this app called Entity Pro, uh, Ultimate Glyph Finder. It's a Mac app, and I saw this somehow it it found its way in my timeline i saw you know when it got released um it was such a nice polished like very well executed mac app and what it does it's not necessarily like you know groundbreaking like i've seen other apps that do similar something similar and it's not there's even like native solutions to find glyphs that you know they're you know part of the font family or whatever um but just the execution, I loved it. And the promo video was like so cool for a little small thing. Like I could see that you know the extra mile. Like someone put a lot of effort and attention and care to this. Uh, so I I did download it, and then um, like the the website was just so 
so so good like so simple but very well executed again uh and then i so i guess that's part of my recommendation um so if you're looking for like weird glyphs you have this very nice app to look through them uh glyphs like you know i want that weird curly bracket or i want uh you know the 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 command you know like from your keyboard command a little uh character or looking for emojis or something um and so the app is really cool. And then you can copy just directly to the clipboard. You can copy the HTML reference. You can whatever. It does a lot. But then I looked at, like, I was just curious and interested in this developer. Like, what else has this developer done? And I just, uh, so I realized it's made by Martin. Oh, oh man, I should have said this. <laughs> Legzo? 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 Martin? Martin. Well, I'm going to call him Martin. <laughs> I feel pretty confident on the Martin part. Actually, he's German, I think, so maybe it's not even Martin. Maybe it's like, you know, Martin, whatever. I'm making it worse. Anyway, Martin. Uh, he has a bunch of small utilities, like Mac utilities, um, that are just, again, with the same level of polish as this app. And it was just incredible. Like, this is what I aspire to be as like a little indie small Mac developer, you know? <laughs> It's like, oh, this is it. Like, it, it just, uh, it, it's very like old school type of work, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a little utility to show on screen, like the keys that you're you're pressing. So maybe if you're recording a screencast, you know, you can see the little keys pop up uh, as you type, which is some, uh, I personally, when I do it, I use ScreenFlow, which has this thing built in. But just again, the presentation, how it looks, it has this like this geomorphic almost style for the keys to pop up on screen. Anywho, really good. Um, so check Martin's work in Entity Pro, and I'm gonna put links in the show notes. And uh, I guess my second recommendation um, is this website. It's just it's called macosicongallery.com, and it's exactly that. It's just a collection of lovely macOS app icons. I've seen uh, and this. I love this. <laughs> it's like very aspirational because I do not have the skills to pull this off. <laughs> but some of these are brilliant. Uh, okay, who's you know, the creator features. of this? I feel like we <laughs> we need to get an icon with your <laughs> face onto this website. <laughs> God, <laughs> listeners, uh, I need your yeah. help. Please message hey. Jim Nielsen <laughs> on Twitter and ask him to add hand mirror to the list. <laughs> Please do not. I would. I would know for a fact that I did not deserve to be there. I would just feel we guilty need to make this happen. and bad. No, <laughs> I. <laughs> so okay, spoilers. I'm gonna work on. You know how I mentioned, like, if I knew Hand Mirror would get the attention that it did, I would probably put in a lot more effort and mm-hmm. polish before shipping. Uh, so now that it's out there, um, like Apple featured on the App Store, which you know, thanks. Congrats, Miss Apple, Tim Apple, uh, <laughs> Tim Apple. Thanks for that. Uh, but again, it was like, ah, damn it. <laughs> I wish you could like give me a notice, you know, like, hey, by the way, we're going to feature you so I could do some, you know, I could clean up the house before. <laughs> uh, but I think I, you know, I've been, it has, it has been a while since I designed like a marketing page, marketing site in any way. And I, I'm not counting the actual hand mirror. Mark. That doesn't count. I did that in like an hour. Um, but I do, I do miss that. So I, I feel like I've been build, building up enough inspiration and, you know, ideas. With just, again, we, we mentioned Framer and, like, all that work has been inspiring me. 
So I have I think I have enough inspiration bottled up that I would like to apply that somewhere. So uh I have cool ideas for like a you know uh, another take not another honestly a first take on an actual landing page for for hand mirror and maybe also hopefully a new app icon. Ooh. Um yeah, we'll see what it'll probably be like just a today the idea is just another take on the same icon just modernize it get rid of my face <laughs> and just make it look a bit better <laughs> but so we'll see maybe one day okay, okay my so, inspiration so is, this is a race against the clock is what you're saying so i need to get the icon with your face in there before you change it <laughs> you'll be you'll be uh, an app purchase there you go that's how i'm gonna monetize this <laughs> do nice. you want Boom. to have my face back on your app icon and you're called kevin and you're I'm, also just making look, fun of me I'm going to ask for ASCII art of your face <laughs> in the actual menu bar icon. <laughs> if you want my money, this is, this is what you got to do. <laughs> That's it. Got to sell my, my body. <laughs> my face. Sell my face. All right, uh, Kevin, I give you enough time. What is your recommendation? Okay, so my <laughs> recommendation is a little weird, um, but <laughs> I, love those. I will recommend a trailer. <laughs> Not the yeah, actual movie. The movie is out, but I recommend the trailer. Um, so I recommend the trailer for the movie called Yesterday. Have you oh. seen this movie or seen the trailer? It's been out for a little bit, I think. I'm pretty sure I saw the trailer, but I've I saw the movie in theaters. Uh, been a while. Oh wow! December, okay. November. What did you think about it? I don't know if I should spoil it for people. Uh, I mean, from the trailer is uh, this the, the main character uh, something something, and he wakes up and he lives in a world in where the Beatles like never existed. But he's the only one that has the memories. Like for him, you know, he just woke up all of a sudden in this world, so he knew all the Beatles songs. So without spoiling too much, he tries to you know play the Beatles you know Beatles songs again, uh, and no one no one knows what it's like. You know, like he he sings yesterday. And, and everyone's like, like "Wow, this, this is, is an incredible song!" <laughs> right? Yeah. So all of all of a sudden, you know, he could potentially be like the the, the best musician of all time. <laughs> and it's funny. Also, there's cameos from other artists like Ed Sheeran. You know, he he's in a movie playing himself, and he doesn't know about the Beatles. It's 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 a fun movie. So I, yeah. The reason why I wasn't sure if we were gonna like say what it is is because oh, i think shit. this movie i can cut this out yeah well we can see because i think this entire movie like all hinges on on the premise and like the the, the premise is essentially everything like we've watched a movie the movie's actually like not that good like the motivations right. for the characters don't make any sense like it doesn't really right. go anywhere like but it's just like when I saw this trailer, I was like, holy shit, I need to watch this. <laughs> like, this is so, yes. so, such a good, like, premise of, like, what if you just woke up one day and the Beatles didn't exist? And it was like, ah, this, I love this idea for a movie. Um, and people can make their own decision on whether they, they want to commit to watching the movie, even though, like, I'm telling you right away that like I don't think it's great. I don't think it's the worst movie ever made, but um but I do think that the trailer has just enough to make you like think about this like alternate reality. Um and I think for that like it's worth watching the the trailer. 
and I had never heard of this movie before. Oh, know, maybe I'm like so yeah, disconnected. I saw the trailer, you know, but... again, maybe November. Is, it's been a while. Uh, maybe it got released in different schedules in different countries. I'm not sure. Uh, I have to admit, this when I saw the trailer, like I'm a big Beatles fan, and I'm also, you know, I was a musician. I played in a band and stuff, so I, yeah. So I, I completely identify, you know, could see myself in this, like <laughs> in, the, in the in the main character's uh, shoes. Also, I've had like this is a fantasy of mine. This is like a, something I've actually played out this this scenario, especially when I was writing music and trying to write my own songs, and I imagine. I would think a lot, like if I somehow, like I could pick any song, like I could pretend that it was mine, right? Like what if I mm. wrote Stairway to Heaven, like and no one knew about Stairway to Heaven and I could just come up with it myself. It's so much that I was like even, would I spread it out? Like, okay, don't put all the classics, like the best songs ever of history in the same album. Maybe I would spread them out. God, I would be like so, like if I come up with all of these different styles, like would people, you know, figure me out? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I anyway, think there's so, ma- so many interesting aspects to this premise yeah. that the movie could have explored that they didn't. Mm-hmm. Like, I think one interesting idea is like, do, are the Beatles great because of their songs? Or do you get to a certain point where you're famous and therefore the songs matter less? So basically, like, Mm. it would have been interesting to see him introduce, like, a random song of his, you know? Like, not make it the Beatles. Because, like, at that point, you're working with lots of other collaborators and basically, like, transcend that. And, like, would people have, like, a totally different reaction to Mm. his work? Uh, Like his actual work versus like just being something by the Beatles. There's also this interesting idea about memory, about like remembering like some kind of like piece of art essentially like, and preserving it, (laughs) which like you quickly realize like how bad your memory is. And there's like that whole side of things. Like there's a Mm -hmm. lot of different aspects. Like, Oh, also like something that could be explored is would something like the Beatles, like say it was created today would people like it? Because it's very different from actual yeah, like it could not music. Sound the same like, way. like it would right. be interesting if like you're literally the f- the only person who remembers the Beatle, which are like recognized, you know, for being like some of the greatest, uh, creating the greatest songs in the world. But then you release them today, and nobody likes them because that's not yeah. where. Like, there's so many different ways that you can take this premise. And I think the movie falls short of that a little bit, but I just lo- love thinking about all these possibilities. Yeah, even coming up with a song today in 2020, saying, I love you, baby, baby, yeah, 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 I love you. Like, people are like, what? It's not, I don't know, it's not a great song. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of baggage there that it's 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 impossible to decouple it from the work, even even the people who did it, right? Like, the Beatles were not just, a great band with incredible songs they were the biggest celebrities in the world like they were you know the all all the all the mystique around those mm. people and it's not like you know cuz today celebrities because of the internet and social networks like you just know so much you know so much about everyone 
what they're doing at almost every time and what they really think and feel because they tweet and they they're on Instagram and whatever. You get a really you get a real like a good idea of what these people are actually like. But back then, you know, you wouldn't know anything. Mm-hmm. You would just look at this album cover. Maybe they would have their picture on the back, and you would just you would try to fill in all the gaps and try to get any information about these people whatsoever. It was just so mysterious, and so. Yeah, I think today would be it's impossible to decouple the work from the people from the context. And yeah, that's that's a really good take. Now I kind of want to see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cuz it would be wouldn't that be an, a great take like this person, the only person the only person who remembers the Beatles come up with the songs, record them again and they would tank. Yeah. Would flop. <laughs> like, oh wow, then you would be the only one that knows that these songs are actually genius, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. so interesting. <laughs> There's just so many. That's not the movie they were trying to make for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's a very depressing movie. Yeah. Cool. So that's my recommendation. Like, watch the trailer. If you feel like you're really into it, you can you can watch the movie. Um, but it's also fine if you don't. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's not a great movie, but it's a it's a very it's it's a very easy yeah. to digest. I, I had a lot of fun and it was lovely, but I could see it's not an incredible movie. I've, I've I've forgotten all the names of all the characters. <laughs> like that's you know, but that doesn't matter. I don't think, except Ed Sheeran. <laughs> Anywho, all right. Uh, this was a lovely show. I had a I had a really good time recording this. Same. Uh, thanks, Kevin. This is lovely. Uh, <laughs> thanks everyone for listening to the end. Uh, you, you can find show notes in like more episodes and all the links to subscribe. You know how podcasts work, right? Uh, so what's our a podcast? Is layout.fm and you can hey leave us a review if you if it's totally okay with you i don't know now i've been looking at the reviews for hand mirror and i remember like oh yeah we also have reviews for that. <laughs> um kind of want to go through those it it does help honestly because we do zero marketing efforts we do zero <laughs> on this so that's like that's the thing that would help us so if you want to help us in any way leave us a review on apple Podcasts, or can you leave reviews on spotify i don't think you can whatever i don't know give a review if you can and if you know how uh and what else we're part of the spec fm network maybe one day we'll be acquired by spotify one day yeah if you leave enough <laughs> reviews we might be so yeah be. Uh, or not actually i don't know but anyway uh we're part of the spec fm network so if you're looking for more shows to listen to check them out their website is spec.fm we have a bunch of uh friends that have a bunch of incredible shows as well um that's it what else am i missing something oh we're on twitter you know uh kevin is at vernal kick also on instagram i think with the same username yep. and i am at rafa hari uh again twitter and instagram but don't you don't have to follow me on instagram it's fine. <laughs> i'm extra silly and i forget that people follow me there so i don't know anywho thanks for listening um bye bye
Welcome to Layout, a fortnightly podcast about design, technology, and everything else. Our main topic for this week, how old Apple Keynotes taught us the ins and outs of being a designer. On top of that, we talk about Framer, and uh, we get into some design criticism. Did you say fortnightly? <laughs> But that's the, like, every other week. That's That's the word. Damn. Well, no, because I know bi-weekly can mean twice a week or every yeah. other week. Yeah, so f the definition of fortnightly is a unit of time equal to 14 days. There you go. So it has nothing to do with the game Fortnite. <laughs> no, it does okay. not. <laughs> hey. Wow, we have to include this in the show now. Fine. It is now. Uh, see you in Fortnite. Hey, we um, do you remember that 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 clip of Ryan Johnson? He was talking about Knives Out, whatever, like deconstructing a scene, and he said that Apple doesn't allow bad guys to have iPhones. You remember that? Yeah. Cool. So yeah, me and Deborah, we were watching this uh, new-ish uh, <laughs> show called Defending Jacob. You know, with Chris Evans on mm -hmm. Apple TV Plus. And I swear to God, like this, it, it felt scripted. It was not. But I said, like, huh, hey, honey, do you know how, like, okay, she actually didn't, she she wasn't, she didn't saw the video. But it was like, so Ryan Johnson effectively spilled the beans on the in, industry secrets. And he said that Apple doesn't allow bad guys to have iPhones on, you know, movies and TV shows. And, and she's like, huh, yeah, interesting. So I'm like, so, okay, now that I set the scene, set the context. So I wonder if on, Apple TV Plus shows, I assume Apple wants every, like, only iPhones and Apple devices to be featured. But if that if that's the case, like, I wonder if they'll allow bad guys to have iPhones on an Apple TV Plus show. It would be weird to have people using Androids. You know what Tim Cook would say? No bad guys allowed on Apple TV Plus. <laughs> right. That's mean. <laughs> right. So, I was, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was curious to see... You know what 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 the deal is because everyone in this in this show has like apple watches and uh, hmm. iphones and macs and they facetime each other when they want to call each other like <laughs> no one does that um but then there's this there's this guy very sketchy guy <laughs> and i don't want to spoil the show but uh so at, at one point this this guy he's sketchy like he's a suspect he's like a murder suspect uh and honestly i don't know if he's suspect or not because the show is hasn't ended yet and we don't know yet but but this guy is a, is in a diner and he's on his phone the thing is like he's deleting pictures probably like deleting evidence but he's on an android phone <gasps> and using a google photos deleting yeah. the things and i'm like that's the bad guy got it <laughs> got him <laughs> gotta be and you know it hasn't been revealed yet but i'm pretty sure like yep he's the bad guy Because Chris Evans uses an iPhone, his kid uses an iPhone, you know, J Jacob uses an iPhone. So wow, it is. I, got him, I, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. I would love to see that. <laughs> Case closed. <laughs> Let's go home. <laughs> nice. If only I wonder, solving murders was that easy. <laughs> yeah. And uh, members of the jury, you know, Your Honor, <laughs> as you can see, here's a photo evidence of our suspect using an Android device. So. <laughs> Boom. Okay. No further questions, Your Honor. Mic drop. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I yeah. want like a full deep dive analysis, like looking at 
the past 10 years of movies to try to find if there's one bad guy that's using an iPhone. Mm. It has to be. It has to be. People will right? just say that, sure, he was a bad guy in the movie, but actually, you know, after the movie was <laughs> yeah. done, he found redemption. In- <laughs> and also, like, how far do things like that apply, do you think? Like, is this an actual contract? Like, like, can I not drive, like, a BMW if I'm a bad guy? Like, this, you know, like, how far does it extend? Can I not have, like, a, I don't know, like, Whirlpool dishwasher if I'm a bad guy? Like, what's the, <laughs> where are the limits? <laughs> yeah. Man, we're going to ruin shows. Like, don't <laughs> ask the questions that you don't want the answers to. At one point, it's like, up. Oh, I can see he's wearing khakis. He's uh, he's an accountant, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like... don't want to know. Also, how the hell did Apple want that bid? Like, how is not Google putting in all the millions, you know, in contracts saying no? We'll outbid Apple. Can you imagine if Google outbid Apple and actually now from now on, bad guys can have, you know can't have android phones and all of a sudden everything would be oh wait so you're saying that apple's paying them money to not use iphones i thought that was like yeah an agreement like apple doesn't allow like there's a like legally because i'm but i thought it would be the other way where they're like we're gonna sue you for like defamation or something (laughs) oh you you know what i mean like or like a copyright infringement it's based on on their I think so. Yeah. No? So screenwriters be like, nah, Google's chill. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Good question. I always This is very interesting. So, someone needs to look into that. I'm going to yeah. do some research. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, so there's rules of product placement. Any lawyers who listen to this show? How does this work? <laughs> like product placement is real, right? Companies pay the, 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 the production crew to, the crew, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. companies pay to have their products featured, and usually, you know, they're not very subtle. All of a sudden, you see James Bond saying, "Yep, this is my, oh, you know, Rolex," or actually, I don't know what kind of watch he, but uh, oh, my know, this is my Aston Martin. They're they they're not subtle about it. <laughs> James Bond now drives a Ford. <laughs> that is a, that is an actual thing. Really? Um, yeah. No <laughs> his, way. His like off-duty car is, car is like a Ford. Uh, Anyway, uh, like, cause you—that's not believable. James Bond wouldn't drive a Ford. Whatever. James Bond is such a disappointment of a franchise. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> but anyway, but uh, so I—I I wonder. I, yeah, I—I I always assumed there was like a, an agreement that Apple, like a, a clause that Apple, if you want to feature our products in your in your work, they can't be associated with a bad character, like a, whatever. Yeah. That's what I thought. Because you can, you also see a lot, just just like fake devices that are not real brands or whatever. Um, you know, they do a lot in UI, just crazy UI that makes no sense. And even Apple TV Plus shows. Which I, I mean, I don't think you've seen the recent uh, Samsung UI design. <laughs> but <laughs> just kidding. This is this is a pet peeve of mine. Like, uh, and and Deborah is just she's so annoyed by it. But like. I pick up all the inconsistencies and like especially phones. Uh, oh, I see that a lot. Like 
for example, they they someone's calling the phone, and of course the the screen is not real. It's like a just a poor mock up of what they think the iOS like call screen is, and then they click to pick it up, and of course like there's actually very little UI sounds on an actual iOS device, but they yeah. pick it up and you can see like the keyboard sound to like press a yeah. button. And you're like, no, no. <laughs> like just using wrong UI sounds and wrong... Yeah, that's uh, when they're not holding the phone upside down. <laughs> you're kind of <laughs> like, how does this happen? Like, surely you, you use a phone. Yeah. Like, it's so on, weird. Daniel Craig. I, I don't you understand these. Yeah. But, yeah... Well, it's so uh, bad. <laughs> anywho, all right, this is getting late. I'm going to stop the recording. Same. I have a good after show, though. <laughs> <laughs>